Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. If you're looking for more purpose, more passion, more joy in your life, then you have come to the right place. I am your host, coach and life alchemist, Sharin Eskandani, and I have worked with thousands of people showing them how to create their dream lives while also living their dream lives. This podcast is where mindset, mindfulness, and manifestation meet. Together, we're going to release limiting beliefs, put your dreams into motion, all while prioritizing your ease, rest, and joy. Let's do this, love. Hi, love. Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. This is where we take a deeper dive into my Mindset Monday post, which you can read on Instagram at Wholehearted Coaching. Or if you want to go even deeper into this week's episode and get my free weekly journal prompts, sign up for my email list and you'll be able to explore the topics we're talking about in this episode even further. You can do that in the show notes or by heading to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com. And if you're interested in working with me, whether that's one-on-one in one of my group programs or one of my transformational courses, you can head to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com slash offerings to find out more. And of course, you can also head to the show notes and all of this information will be waiting for you there. All right, love, welcome to this week's episode. We are continuing our Courageous Conversation series for the month of June. And y'all, I am so excited for you to hear this week's interview with Chrissy King. Now, first off, you have to know that Chrissy King is my best friend, so I am a little biased. However, this is an amazing interview, not just because Chrissy is my bestie, but Chrissy, to me, truly embodies what bravery and courage look like. Now, if you're joining us for the very first time on Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast, for the month of June, I am doing a series of interviews with women who I believe really embody what courage is and what courage looks like. And I'm calling this my Courageous Conversation Series. Now, I usually don't do interviews on this podcast, but I really wanted to do this series because I think it's important for us to understand that courage and bravery are things that are cultivated. They're not things that we're naturally born with. You know, sometimes I think that we look out in the world and we see people doing these big, bold, and amazing things, and we think that they must have something that we don't, that they were born with this, like, gene or genetic mutation that allows them to be fearless. What's so special about this series is that you understand that no one is fearless. You understand that we all have our fears and worries and insecurities, and that going after your dreams is a process in which you have to face those fears and doubts and insecurities. The women that I'm interviewing are not lacking in their fear, but what they have learned to do is to navigate their fear in a way that is healthy. They've learned how to navigate their fear in a way that allows them to do the amazing things that they want to do, to go after their biggest, wildest dreams. I am so excited for you to hear this interview with Chrissy, because if you look at Chrissy's life from the outside, you would think to yourself, oh, this is a person who is fearless. I mean, Chrissy's life 
is one big, bold, badass dream after another. You know, she moved to New York after completely overhauling her life, which you're going to hear about and you're going to want to hear about it. She moved to New York, quit her cushy full-time job that had amazing benefits and amazing salary, and she started to pursue her dream. She is now a full-time writer, y'all, and has a book being published coming out in the spring with Penguin Random House. Okay, and it's a book that you can pre-order very soon. We're going to talk more about that. But talk about a complete 180. I believe that this conversation is so important to listen to because you really understand that people who are doing really big things, they're just like me and you. They have their fears, their doubts, and their insecurities, but they have made a habit of choosing the hard things. That's what Chrissy's story is about. It's choosing that difficult thing that she knows is going to lead her towards the next thing that she truly desires. It's choosing the challenging thing that she knows is going to go against what her family told her to do or what she had wanted to do, but is in service of what she truly desires. This is such an open and candid conversation. And I truly believe that you are going to have so many insights and aha moments as me and Chrissy talk about her journey. Chrissy King is a writer, speaker, and educator with a passion for creating a diverse and inclusive wellness industry. She empowers individuals to stop shrinking, start taking up space, and use their energy to create their specific magic in the world. She has been featured in Self, Shape, Health, Cosmopolitan, BuzzFeed, Muscle and Fitness, and Live Strong, among others. With degrees in social justice and sociology from Marquette University, Chrissy merges her passion for social justice and her passion for wellness to empower individuals within the fitness and wellness industry to create spaces that allow individuals from all backgrounds to feel seen, welcome, respected, and celebrated. Love, I can't wait for you to listen to this interview with Chrissy King. So I cannot tell you how excited I am for this interview. Not only am I interviewing my bestie, Chrissy King, but I am interviewing someone who really, truly inspires me and who I really believe embodies what courage is. So Chrissy, this entire interview series is about interviewing women who I think really show us what courage is and, and they show us kind of how hard it can be sometimes to be courageous, but also like the beauty of being courageous. And so thank you so much for being here and agreeing to be interviewed by me. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It's an honor. And thank you for that lovely introduction. Anytime I get to interview, be interviewed by you, it's a joy. So I'm happy. Oh <laughs> um, so I have been starting the series by sharing with people how I know you, how we met And then I'm going to throw it over you so you can like change it up how you see fit. But I had been following Chrissy for a long, long time on Instagram. And this was about like five or six years ago. Chrissy at the time was um, doing a lot of posts on fitness. And then like, I, I just was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Everything she wrote about was just wonderful. And then all of a sudden she dropped this Instagram post, which was about the issue of like whiteness in the wellness world, specifically fitness. And it was such like, it just literally everything she said 
was everything I had been thinking, but like, didn't know I had been thinking like this was a time when we really weren't talking about the issue of whiteness and there was no intersectionality and, and just all of that within the world of wellness. And Chrissy dropped this like Instagram gem, which went viral. It was huge. And so I reached out to her in the DMs. I was like, I really loved your post. It was like really amazing. Um, you're great. And then Chrissy, I don't even know what possessed you, but you were like, thanks so much. And then we were just chatting a little bit back and forth. And you're like, I'm going to be in New York. We should meet up. Chrissy, I was just a rando on the internet. Well, you know, back in those days, I used to just be a little bit more trusting about the randos on the internet. I don't know that I would do that now because we really hadn't established a lot of rapport before we met up. You know, I'm not opposed to meeting people still, but I would definitely need a lot more rapport than we had at that time. We had like (laughs) such minimal, this was like, I guess the days when we were naive, not jaded. I don't know. It was very minimal. I mean, again, we met up at like a bar with a lot of people, like what's the worst that can happen? But nonetheless, it's still probably not something I would do with that little rapport today. But it it turned out great. We're best friends yeah. now. So, in your defense, though, we had a lot of mutual friends. We did we did we did? And we also had like you know when I went on your page, your energy was great, and I would hope the same was for I, me. Yes, I yeah. felt the same way. So. so, so I think we had that. But yeah, you were like you were just so friendly. You're like let's let's meet up. And like this is a side note, but also. The funniest, weirdest coincidence of when we met, when Chrissy came to New York was Chrissy came to New York for like a fitness workshop. Yeah, fitness. It was like a fitness conference weekend, something like that. And the place where they had the workshop was where my now husband worked, works at, still works at. So Chrissy went to this space where my husband works at. At the time, Raj and I had just started dating And we were about to go on our second date the night that I met Chrissy. It's so weird. It's so weird. (laughs) So weird. I feel like I met the two loves of my life during that time. (laughs) Yeah, it was so bizarre. Like, yeah, it was, it's so weird. We think back about all that time, just. Oh my gosh. Yes. So Chrissy and I met and, you know, a beautiful friendship has blossomed since then. And I pretty much convinced her to move to New York. So selfishly, I could be closer to her. I mean, it's basically true, but also New York has been like the best move for me. So it was the best for both of us. I mean, I knew that like deep down inside, (laughs) but also selfishly, like I didn't tell you that because I wanted you to be here with me. So anyway, um, so Chrissy, this whole series is about talking about courage. Like I always think of courage, like it's an iceberg, right? And we just see the tip of the iceberg and we're like, wow, look at, you know, someone like Chrissy doing all these amazing things in the world, but we don't see that like underneath the water is like all of these very scary, courageous, small decisions that we've made that kind of brought us here to where we are. And knowing Chrissy's story personally, I really wanted to share it with the audience because again, you know, when you meet Chrissy or read her work or see her content, you're just like, damn, this is like a fearless woman. And you are in many ways, but I also know the other side of it too, where it's like, you've learned how to really navigate your fear, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I mean, I think I have grown a little more fearless as time has gone on, but as you know, knowing me for so long, I am also a person who takes a long time to make decisions. I mean, less now, but back then, especially when we first met, it took me a long time to make moves on things. And, you know, you know, once I started to make some small decisions and built that confidence and trust with myself, now it's easier for me to do those things. But it was, that has definitely not always been the case at all. 
So as I've been doing this series, I realized that what I've actually literally been doing is getting the interviewee to tell me their life biography. And I'm here for that because like, I actually love reading biographies because like, I actually love this. I want the journey, right? I like, and the gems that come from that. So Chrissy, a lot of what we kind of believe about who we are and what's possible for us is rooted in like where we grew up and how we grew up. So can you give us a little context about like little Chrissy and kind of like what you experienced in your childhood and like the things you saw, the beliefs that maybe you kind of started shaping during that time. Tell us a little bit about little Chrissy. Give us some context. Yeah. Well, little Chrissy grew up in Wisconsin and Milwaukee specifically for anybody thinks or knows about Wisconsin is not the most diverse of places. I mean, you know, in Milwaukee, there's like a good amount of people of color, Black people and other people of color outside of Milwaukee and like Southeastern Wisconsin, there is like no diversity whatsoever. But um, so I grew up, my mom, I was homeschooled. I feel like I always have to tell people that because that gives a little insight into who I am. <laughs> so I was homeschooled until I was in the third grade. And then my mom and dad sent me to this private, Christ, very Christian school. And it was just me and my brother and sister and everyone else were white. And so that was like a weird introduction into like going to school with other people. That was really formative for me, especially when I look back at that period of, or I look back at that period of my life. Now it was really formative because I definitely felt like I was in a space where, you know, most of my peers didn't, no, no, actually all of my peers like, didn't have any other black friends. Like I was their representation of blackness in the world. And I felt like I had to always overperform or be a perfectionist, be the best at everything because, you know, even when kids are kids, there's these subtle messages about race that come up. And some of those subtle messages I were getting were like, you know, that maybe something was wrong with certain types of black people. And so I developed this, like, I'm going to be an exceptional black person. Mm -hmm. And I really, that really followed me through most of my life. And I can definitely see how that has been a very formative part of who I am now. And also things I've had to unlearn and habits I've had to unlearn. And also growing up in my family, my mom and dad, lovely people, love them both. But when I look back now, there was a lot of trauma that was occurring. And even now, I don't even, like, I'm just starting to now call it trauma because I'm like, oh, it's fine. It wasn't the worst thing that could have happened. So it was okay. But I'm recognizing now that there's a lot of trauma happening um, and also made me a fiercely independent person and that like, I can take care of everything by myself. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to do that, that and the other. And it has served me in a lot of ways. And it's also things that have, uh, that I need to let go of in a lot of respect. And I remember when I was growing up, the one thing there was at certain times, a lot of economic instability in my household. And so I remember saying when I was like 13 or 14 years old, I am going to always have money and it's never going to be a problem. I'm never going to have to depend on anyone else to provide for me. And a lot of that was because I saw my mom married to my dad. She didn't work. My dad was the breadwinner. And when my dad was unstable, we didn't have enough things. And I was like, it's never going to be me. Um, So all of those things have really... I just like, that was always like a driving motivation for me and like how I was going to college and what I was going to school for and what I was planning on doing career-wise was always motivated by the sense of, I want to always have this feeling of stability and security. So that's kind of what's happening as you're a kid. And, and I always feel like, you know, we kind of formulate in our minds in our teen years, whenever, whether it's early, late teens, early teens, or even our early twenties, like this plan that we have for our life. So Chrissy, did you have a plan and what was that plan? Absolutely. I had a plan. Um, so my plan was always based on stability. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get married. I'm like, well, first I'm going to go to college for sure. I'm going to become a lawyer. I'm going to, so they can make sure they may have a lot of money. 
and I'm going to get married and I'm going to buy a very nice little house somewhere. And it's just going to be like a very, like, I'm going to follow this plan. This is the American dream, so to speak. And for a lot, I mean, a lot of ways I did follow that plan. I didn't go to law school, which in hindsight, I'm so happy I didn't go to law school, but I did get married really young and I was married for 11 years, did not have children. And in hindsight, that was the best decision for me. So I think that really guided a lot of my decisions, even my decision to get married. The person I chose to get married to is all this idea of like, what is going to be the most safe decisions for myself? So you had like these very safe decisions and you had a really safe career for a really long time. Like talking to Chrissy, Chrissy literally, you tell them you graduated from college and then what happened, Chrissy? So I graduated from college. I had one job interview. Um, I had a sorority sister who was working for the federal government. I emailed her to see if they were hiring. She's like, yes, I had a job interview two weeks before I was graduating. I graduated. I started that job one week after I graduated. I got married a few months later. I worked at that job for almost 11 years. I Oh my God, wait, stop. 22 and set for life. Got a job out of college. Life. And also when I, when I finally did leave my job, I was in a management role already. I was set for life. I was like do, crossing the dots. What is it? Dotting the I's, crossing the T's. I was set in a very stable government job. Yes. Okay. So we'll get to this a little bit later about that job because that is literally the only job Chrissy ever had until she then left her job to do the, on, you know, her own thing now, which is like mind blowing to, to me. Right. Cause like one job straight out of school. That was all I needed. <laughs> That was all, there was a safety, it was a security and you were, you were getting compensated pretty well too. I was making six figures when I left my job. So like, also I'm like, I don't need to go anywhere else. Like, this is it. I'm making good money. I have regular hours. I have lots of vacation benefits. I mean, yes, it's torture, but like, aside from that, it's good. Okay. So then here you are in this very stable, perhaps a little vanilla life, right? But it feels very safe and good. So it's you, it's like, this is exactly what I wanted. What started to shift that you kind of started to maybe question things or think that like you wanted something different or more? What happened? I mean, I think for one, on the career side of things, I was looking at a lot of people in my job had been for a very long time. Like I had peers and like coworkers who had been there for like 25, 30 years. And one thing that we all had in common is that we were all pretty miserable at that place. And I was like, wow, you know, I've been here for a long time. I'm already in a management role. I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life, go to the same building, do the same thing every single day. So that was one part of it. And then in my personal life, like I had a really great partner. I have like nothing bad to say about him. It's just that I was like, oh, I changed so much, right? From the time I was 22, we started dating when I was 19. So let's just say from the time I was 19, to the time I was like 30, I've changed a lot, right? My thoughts have changed and developed. My ideas have developed. I started to think about like, I'm not actually sure if I want to have kids. That was really important to my partner. I realized I like, I just kind of grew up a little bit. And I also started to think about, I really never took the time to figure out what I wanted for my life. I just kind of designed this life based on safety. And then I woke up one day and I was like, I don't even know if this is what I want for myself. And I'm very confused. How scary was that? Gosh, it was so scary. And that's why I stayed in, it took me a really long time to start making any decisions, like to leave my job, to start doing something different. You know, the outside people were like, wow, this is great. You have a great partner. You have a great job. Like everything is good. You should be really happy in this life. But I wasn't feeling really happy in the life. And so there's a lot of guilt there too, that like, why would some people would be so thrilled to be in my position? And so there's a lot of feelings around that, but it was super scary. 
five, five, six years ago when we met, if you had met Chrissy, you saw her just from what she had on her social media, you would think that this woman was solely doing her fitness like job, but Chrissy was working both jobs at that time. So can you talk about that? Like, I know you have your journey to, you know, kind of discovering fitness and liking it, but like, can you tell us about like, when you're like, yeah, I'm going to make this my side hustle. And what was that like? Yes. I had been like into fitness myself, just like as an enthusiast for a long time. And I ended up at this gym with the trainer and he was like, you're so good at this. You used to be a trainer and a coach. And so I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll do that. And so I started training and coaching on the side nights and weekends. And I actually give so much credit to him because like, he didn't even charge me to train out of his gym. He was just like, have at it, learn what you need to learn. He taught me a lot. It was really amazing. And then I was like, wow, this is really cool. And it gave me a different outlet than my professional job. But I was also like, how am I ever going to make enough money to replace my job? And so I was like perusing Instagram one day. I saw this woman who had like a coaching program for like people who wanted to develop online fitness businesses. Two days later, I gave her $6,000. I was like, yes, show me how to build an online business. Do that. You you literally take forever to make a decision, and then two days later, that one sounded right though, because I just felt like I was so hungry to like do something. Mm. I had no idea how to build an online business, and I don't know. Like she was really good at marketing. She's really good at what she does, and I gave her my money, and it turned out great. Like it wasn't like oh I gave her money and it was a like, sham. It was awesome. I worked with this coach for like two or three years. I credit so much of where I am now to like the fundamental things that she taught me. So, but when I started working with her, I was, yeah, working my full-time job. And so for probably like three years almost, I would get up in the morning at four, like 4.15. I'd get to the gym to work out myself at 5 a.m. to like 6.30, shower, go to work. And then I would come back home from work and either train a few clients or work on my business until like one or two in the morning. For like a period of two to three years, I was sleeping probably like four hours a night. Do not recommend sometimes five hours, four to five hours a night. Do not recommend, but that's what I did for quite some time. And you're right. A lot of people, when I was building my business online, didn't realize I had like a full-time job I was working. And not just like any full-time job. Like it was a real job job. Yeah. It was a very serious job. Like it was job. a very serious job job. Like not that all jobs aren't serious, but it was a demanding job. Not one that you could like take a little bit of time here and there to work on your business. Like yeah. you really had to work on your fitness business when you got home yes, at night. Mm -hmm. So then, okay, your business, kind of your online coaching business is doing pretty well and you have this job and you have this partnership, which is pretty good. What the heck happened that you were like, I'm going to, cause yes, tell me the process of going to the full-time. Cause what I love about Chrissy's story and she's going to share it now is like, she, you were doing this both stuff for like four years, five years. Uh, I think it was like probably three to four years. Yeah. Three to four years staying up, like probably for two years, like yeah. not sleeping enough. <laughs> two years not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people would either have just jumped on over the other thing or been like, this is too much and not done it. Like, what were you thinking? Tell me about that time. Yeah. So when I started working with this coach, I really started to see how I could make this a viable business. But I, again, I love my safety and my security and honestly, like, I'm glad I did the things I did because I think that sometimes people, we jump out too soon, right? We like quit our thing. And then it puts so much pressure on you. You have to make this much money in your business to survive. I didn't want that kind of a pressure. Yes. Wait, Chrissy, I really want to highlight this. Yeah. I really want to highlight what Chrissy's saying. Cause I do think in our society, people are like, take the jump, take the leap. And I think there's a fine balance between, you know, pushing yourself, but then also having something that's a little safe. Now, Chrissy, people who know you probably feel like you could have probably taken the jump. 
six months to a year earlier. However, I think what Chrissy is saying is so important for people to hear. It's like, there's no shame in the game of doing both things all at the same time. Like not at all. So I I love, sorry, I had to pause there because I think that's such an important part of your story. Yeah. And also I really believed that I was going to make the jump. Right. So like those two years were hard and challenging and I wasn't sleeping that much. I was sacrificing a lot. I wasn't going out a lot. I wasn't doing a lot of things, but I I had a goal in mind. Like I knew I was going to get to where I wanted to be. So it was like, for me, I was willing to take that hard two years and be like, okay, I'm going to get through this. Um, and eventually what happened is two things happened. Number one, things got so stressful at my job. I was like breaking down in hives at work. I had a situation with someone that I, I supervised that got really unsafe actually. And then the flip side, my business coach was like, what are you doing? You sh-. She like basically was like, I need you to leave your job. Like it is time. She's like, trust me. I've seen a lot of people do this. I've worked with hundreds, probably thousands of people at this point. You are ready to make the leap. And I still wasn't doing it. And I think the job coalescing into this really awful situation is what pushed me over the, the ledge. And I finally quit. And even when I quit, it was like super scary. And I remember like some of my coworkers were like starting to know kind of some of the things I did, but they weren't really sure. And I remember my boss was like, are you sure you want to leave this job? Even when I went to tell him I was resigning, he was like, I want you to think about it, you know, think about it for a week. And then you can write me an email if you really mean it. And even when I finally quit, he was like, if you want to come back, we change your mind next week. If you want to come back, you call me at any time. Like, and it's so funny because I still have dreams, nightmares, so to speak, that I'm like back working at the VA. And then like, I came back, like this happens like once a month, at least. I don't know why. Wow. I still had these dreams. I'm like back working there. Um, anyway, so I quit and it was scary and a little like unnerving. And also I was like, Oh, thank God I don't have to go to that place anymore. And then my partner and I, we traveled for a while and had like a really great time. And I was just like, had so much time to like recoup from having not slept for two years and also continue working on my business. So it was really great. So you took this leap. And so now you have the business and you have, you're still with your partner um, at the time. So kind of tell me, you know, cause I feel like one courageous decision like that, like a big one, like that one. And you, you get to the other side and you're like, okay, I didn't die. Right. right? So I think like the it's like, not that the the fear isn't there, but then you realize, okay, like actually most of the time my fear isn't telling me the truth. And if I can just take this leap, I can figure it out. And so like, I think you kind of laid that foundation of, okay, yeah. quit the job. We're still okay. Worst come to worst, we can still go back to the job. Right. Yes. What happens then Chrissy, that you then moved to New York I know. <laughs> and all that other stuff. Right. Cause it's like, Whoa, Chrissy, literally your life went 180 in the span of two years or something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let me think I quit my job in 2018, actually 20. I don't even know the years anymore. Don't quote me on that. 2018. I think, I think it was 28. I mean, I think that's right. Cause yeah, I think it was four years ago, four years ago. Yeah. I quit my job in 2018, but everything Trent said is exactly it. Like I made this hard decision and I got through and I realized like, okay, I'm okay. Right. Like everything's fine. I'm not living on the streets. Like everything's totally okay. And that did give me the courage to say, okay, like if I did this hard thing, maybe I can think about this other hard thing. And so I started having conversations with my partner about just like things that we really had kind of like pushed to the side for a really long time. And it's easy to do that because again, I had a great partner. We got along really well. We did fun things together. We traveled together. Like it was always fine. It really was. So we started having some really difficult conversations. One of them was around children. When we got together, we were 19. We were like, oh my God, we're going to have four kids. Now that does not sound like an ideal life to me, me personally. Now if it sounds, I'm not saying for anybody else. I'm saying for me personally, it is not sound ideal. 
So I remember we were getting older. We still haven't had kids. None of us had really pushed the issue. We were just like living life. And it come up at about the four kids. And I was like, we're not having four kids anymore. Like, are you serious? I'm like, I should have started like five years ago. I was going to have four kids. And so that was like kind of a thing because like he still wanted to have four kids. And I could tell he was like really disappointed that I didn't anymore. Mm. And in my mind, I was like, oh, duh. I thought just that we both knew we weren't doing that anymore. I was like 19. Um, and then we kept having discussions. And I remember I got to the point, I was like, well, what if I just had one? Like, I don't really want to, but like, I would do one for you. Wow. So you're bargaining, you're bargaining, you're, con- you're like compromising. You're like, okay, well, I don't want any, but I guess I could do one out of four. Yeah, one. And he's like, I really don't want you to push out something that you don't want. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so ultimately we decided to separate because of like children. And I think there were other issues that we never really got to that were underlying, but the main thing was about children. And so in January, I remember this, it's like right after New Year's of 2019, we decided to separate. And then two weeks later, my dad, like unexpectedly, tragically passes away. And so that just like kind of put me in a daze, obviously. So I remember like we weren't together anymore. We were like still living in the same house. And in July of 2019, I was like, all right, like either I got to move out like this is we can't keep doing this. And then through like, a, I don't know, like two months later, I was like living in New York and that basically ha- I, had, I had been thinking about the idea for a long time, but just didn't really see how it was feasible. And I got this opportunity to, I thought, live with this person and try New York out. It ended up being a disaster. It was like the worst five days of that roommate situation ever. But I found another roommate and I've been here since. Um, now I have my own space and it has just been amazing journey. Yeah. Um, I feel like you just gave us the cliff notes there. That was very quick, very quick. Yes. I want to say though, like when you moved here, first of all, you moved to New York. Were you scared at all? I mean, I was definitely scared. I remember getting on the plane that day and I was like, actually, I'm not a crier. Well, I am a crier now more, but I wasn't a crier then at all. And I remember getting on the plane and I was like crying because I was like, I've never lived outside of Wisconsin. I, all my family is there. That's my comfort place. I know everything. I'm going to live in New York with a person I never met before and like three suitcases. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And it was like really scary. And I remember the first, I had a horrible first two weeks, honestly. And I definitely thought about going back home several times. Um, but yeah, it's super scary. And like New York is so much different than Wisconsin, but now I can't imagine going back to Wisconsin. So. And knowing this, the back end of the story, like when you moved here, you had that situation with the person and then you like Roll, rolled your ankle? Yeah, I had, it was all because of the roommate, but yeah, basically I rolled my ankle. I was on crutches. So like, you know, four days after, not even, I think I've been like four days after I was on crutches. I had to move out of that apartment. Yeah. So were you like the universe is telling you this is the worst idea ever? Go back home. Like literally it was like, this is all horrible. Go back home. Honestly, I'm so grateful that I had like a few friends here because otherwise I definitely would have went back home. Like when I rolled my ankle, and couldn't go back to this person's house. I had a friend at the time, her and her boyfriend rented a U-Haul for me, came and got all my belongings, stored it at their house because I didn't have anywhere to go yet. I went to my other friend's house and slept on her couch. And literally she saw me one day on the couch and I must had a look at my face of like, this is just, I don't even know. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm, I'm currently booking a ticket to go home. And she's like, no, 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 no. So it was a really hard two weeks. And I was just like, I'm on crutches, walking through New York, trying to find an apartment. Like that sounds horrible. And it was. It doesn't sound horrible. It is horrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. And I was like, yeah, this was a bad idea. I should just go back home. But then you stuck it out. Stuck it out. I did. And now you're living your Carrie Bradshaw dreams. Yeah. I mean, basically, yeah. (laughs) 
Minus the okay. fancy shoes, but yeah. Well, you have fancy bags though. You have fancy bags, yes. That's she true. has fancy bags, y'all. <laughs> yeah. So Chrissy, now you are an author, right? Now you kind of really, I feel you're not a fitness person anymore. Tell me about that transition, right? Like you've had so many, again, like it's like almost you took this big leap of burning the plan. And then now I feel like you're just like pivoting all the time in a really like unapologetic way. You just, you move, you do the things that feel the best for you. And I feel like you really trust that instinct of yours now. So how did you get, how did you make that shift? Was it, was it conscious? Was it not? What happened? I mean, okay. So two things. Number one, I, when I was younger, I was like growing up, I always was like reading books and like writing stories. I'm like, I'm going to be a writer someday. And then I like practical safe Chrissy was like, girl, forget that. You're going to go do something. You can make good money. And so when I got into, when I started working with that coach, you know, fitness was the thing, but she always encouraged us to like have a blog of like we were writing. So I was always writing blogs. And then Sharon talked about that blog I wrote about like the lack of diversity in fitness, which wasn't a popular thing to talk about back then. And after that happened, I really started leaning in more and writing about the things that I thought were really important to me. Um, things that, you know, weren't necessarily exactly fitness, but fitness adjacent and a lot of like talking about intersections of things. And I started writing more and more about those kind of topics. And then I feel really fortunate because I, and again, I think it was like the right time, you know, no one was talking about these things yet. So some other publications like Self Magazine and Shape started reaching out and asking me to write for them. And I was like, what? People are going to pay me to write. And so I started doing more of that. And I really loved the writing. Like I, I love fitness and I still do love fitness, but I was like, wow, I love sharing my words with people. And so I think I intentionally started leaning into that a little bit more. Um, but it really was just like, to your point, I think always following what felt right. Um, I also started talking a lot about, well, I was already talking about it, but I started doing like some workshops back in like 2017, 2018, 2019. I started doing workshops around like um, DEI and fitness spaces, diversity and inclusion and fitness. And so I was kind of doing some of that work too. And then 2020 happened, George Floyd, and people were like, oh my gosh, racism and fitness, you're right. And so that just really exploded the work that I had already been doing, leading to a lot more opportunities. And that's when I really, I remember like, I had like a few clients at the time. I was doing mostly writing, but I had like a few clients at the time. And I passed all my clients on to other trainers. And I just really started focusing on writing and consultation work around DEI. And it just, I I think the one thing that I say when I look back at all the trajectory of things, I think I've just kind of allowed things to flow naturally. And it's kind of just led me to where I am now. And I have learned over time to trust myself. It's just, I don't know, it's led to this really beautiful thing. But I feel like I have to tell this really quick story, though, because when I first, one of the first times after we met, I came back in, I think it was 2018, because she hosted an event, a one day event for women of color. And I came here to come to her man. She let me stay with her. I feel like that really sealed the deal in our friendship. <laughs> and Sharon took us through this beautiful guided future you meditation. And so at 2018, I was still working in my job. I was still with my partner was before I quit. And I had this like, it was like a 20 minute visualization. I had this really vivid visualization that I was living in New York. I was like a full-time writer and I was single. And I remember like waking up from the visualization, like it was so vivid and so real, but also it seemed so foreign to like, why would I ever be doing those things? And so now, you know, four years later, that's literally what I'm doing. And it's, it feels so full circle. And I felt like the universe just opened up the right opportunities. And I just followed the right doors. And it took me right to that visualization that I had. Oh, I do remember that. I remember you did the visualization and we were having lunch right after you came up to me. You're like, 
I don't know what the hell, like I, I was a writer and I wasn't married. And like, you were like, what? Cause at the time you were about to take the, you were doing your business full time. Right. So you're like, I'm in the fitness space. This makes, I wasn't even full time. No sense. I hadn't even quit. Right. Yet. I was still working. Oh my God. Job. Yeah. Hadn't even quit your job yet. Right. So you were just like, I don't. And then, I mean, listen, Chrissy is a master manifester. We can talk about that later, but what I, I really love about Chrissy's story. And I, and I really want to highlight is there's two things. One is like, I think sometimes we have this dream that we have, like yours was to be a writer. And sometimes if we get too attached to like how we're supposed to do it, we can mess up like what's actually meant to happen. And so like Chrissy had this intention and now it's blossoming. And now you have, you know, this book, which we'll talk about, but it was supposed to be this way through this journey. Right. And the second thing that I've really, that I think Chrissy, whenever I hear your story, I'm reminded of is like, Chrissy laid the foundation for this also. When all these opportunities came Chrissy's way, you had been, you had been writing, you had ideas, you had the things. And so when people came to say, Hey, can you do this workshop? Or, Hey, we think we want you to like write a book for us. You were like, yeah, totally. You had all those things because you had just been laying that foundation all the time, every day. Yeah. I mean, so I'm going to go back to what you said with the how, like, I think that's one of the things I've become so good at is like not being attached to the how, because the how, like trying to figure out how it's going to happen will fuck you up. Like honestly, right. So I've become really good at being like, I don't even know how this is going to happen, but like, because, and also the, when I look back at the ways things have happened, I never could have that. I never could have thought that'd be the way it happened. Right. I couldn't have dreamed that up myself. And so that's why I think it's so important to like go the how and just be like, I'm just going to trust. I'm going to follow my joy. I'm going to follow what feels good. I'm going to trust myself. And then the second part about laying the foundation. Yes, I agree. Like I was doing a lot of work and I've been working really hard for a long time um, and just like laying it brick by brick. And I think also so important, like I think now with social media, we get so caught up in like people are doing this and doing that and we don't always see the behind the scenes, Right. And so I think it's also important to know that like, I did a lot of stuff for free for a long time too, or very little pay, I should say, because I was like, oh, this is leading me to where I want to be. This is an opportunity. And yeah, there comes a time where you're not going to do things for free anymore, but it's a journey. And I feel like sometimes people forget that part or they don't hear that part of the story. Yes. I love that. Thank you for that reminder. So Christy, you just handed in your first draft of your book. You're doing the edits right now. Can you tell us about this dream of yours coming true of getting a book deal and not just any book deal? I'm going to let you talk all about it, but like now you're like a legit author. So tell us about that. What a dream come true. Yeah, absolutely. So same thing. I knew I wanted to write a book one day. I'm like, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm just like, I'm going to figure it out. And I remember right when COVID started, I had applied for this uh, like fellowship, writing fellowship. And it was supposed to be like a weekend in Boston and then COVID happened. It kept getting pushed back. And I was like, oh, well, whatever, you know, this will, it'll happen when it happens. And then during COVID, I wrote this article for Shape Magazine that I thought was a good article, but it wasn't like mind blowing to me anyways. But the article kind of like went viral and the Today Show reached out and asked me, would I come on and talk about the article? So I was like, yeah, of course, that's cool. So I did that. And then two weeks after the Today Show, I had like a random publisher reach out who had seen me on the show and asked me if I'd be interested in writing a book. And I remember screenshotting it to Sharon and be like, do you think this is real? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know, but I think you should just email back and see. I'm like, that's good. That's a good point. So I remember emailing back and I had this conversation with this publisher and it was just me and him on the phone. He asked me what I want to write about. I talked to him for like 20 or 30 minutes and he's like, oh my gosh, I love this idea. I'm going to pitch it to the sales team. 
send me an email, like summarizing what we talked about. And I was like, okay. So I did that. And I reached out to a mutual friend who had like, um, worked in publishing, had published with a, like a publisher and also self-published. And she's like, girl, you need a book agent like this. You can't do this on your own. And I was like, well, how do you, you know, you don't just like Google book agents and pick one up. And she's like, listen, I know a good agent. I don't know if she'll want to work with you, but I can introduce you. She did. We talked like the next day. We like instantly connected. She's like, I'd love to represent you. I'm like, wow, this is just great. This is all happening so wonderfully. And then around that same time, the publisher came back with an offer actually. So I queued in my uh, agent and she hit me up and she's like, listen, this is like a decent deal for a first time author. She's like, but you don't even have a book proposal. Like, I think that we could do a book proposal, shop the book around, find a better publisher, probably get more money. And I, and like, it was a decent amount of money y'all. And I just was like, okay, I trust you. And I remember saying, so I said no to the publisher. And like, I remember saying no. And I felt like so okay with it. I'm like, it's going to work out. Like, yes, I just turned this publishing deal down. I have no idea if I'll be able to get another one, but I feel right about it. And so then I hired some to someone to work with for a book proposal, which also was like a leap of faith because it was like $10,000. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to pay somebody. I just turned down all this money and I'm going to pay somebody. And I have like no guarantees on the other side. Anyways, wrote a book proposal. For hold, on, hold on, hold on. And let me, I want to say something about this book proposal thing. Cause Chrissy's like, I, I got, I paid someone. No, I thought when Chrissy got this person, I was like, great. This person's going to write her book proposal. That too, by the way. No, this is not what happened. Chrissy paid $10,000. And then this person just gave her constructive criticism. Give me and that's like the formula. I was so shocked y'all. I really thought that I was like, oh my God, this is great. They're going to write a master proposal for me. In hindsight, it makes sense. Like the person can't write the proposal right. for you. But like, I literally thought that's what I was paying for. But like, if anyone is listening, if you've never written a book proposal, it is time. It's like, oh, it's, it's the book. It literally, it's a hundred page document. Like you write two chapters of the book. It is very challenging to write a book proposal. And I, yeah, I worked on that for like three or four months. Cause I had other things going on too. So I couldn't just like dedicate all my time to the proposal. And yeah, I was like a little shocked. Cause like, I was not expecting that. <laughs> I remember we both were, I was like, she's not writing it for you. So it was a lot of work, but she was the best person I could have worked with. Like it was, and and also I will tell you writing your proposal yourself makes writing the book so much easier. So it makes sense y'all, but it was shocking. Okay. It was shocking. Um, so anyways, wait, so you passed up this paycheck for a guaranteed right book to then be like, I'm going to give you 10,000. Yes. So I can do the work and you can just tell me what I'm doing wrong. And then hopefully somebody actually really wants this book. Yes. That's exactly, that's exactly what happened. So we finished the proposal and uh, my agent shopped the book around to like seven publishers. We ended up getting five offers. I settled on Penguin Random House, Tiny Reparations, the imprint of Penguin Random House with Phoebe Robinson, which is like, honestly has been a absolute dream. Stop. Chrissy, stop. Chrissy is not making this as exciting as it was because it was so exciting. Chrissy handed in this, this manuscript. There was a bidding war on Chrissy. Yes, that's true. Actually. A bidding war. A first-time author usually does not get a six-figure deal. Uh, yes. Chrissy got a six-figure deal, yes. okay, yes. with a company that is, that is that with an imprint that's Phoebe Robinson's imprint of, like, don't touch my hair. Like, she's yes. amazing. So, like, a very supportive, not just any, right, yes. publishing house. 
a very supportive, very excited publishing house. Like this was a, I, this was so exciting. I remember when you like got that. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And I think too, what was so cool about it, even before, like they have like a week where you're uh, like a day bidding day, they call it. But even before that, another publisher had offered me like a six figure deal in advance. They're like, we know you're still going to shop the book around. But when that happened, I was like, oh, I don't care what happens in the publishing day. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Um, and so, yes, there was like a bidding war, which like sounds so surreal to say, but it's true. And I just remember being so grateful on that day because also like the deal that I turned down, like the deal that I got was like four or five times more than what I turned down. So like, thank goodness, I just trusted that like it was going to work out. And with a way better publisher. And like, I I say this every time I talk to my editor, I'm like, this has been like a dream because it's been such a smooth and easy process. I love working with them. Like, it's just been amazing. And I will say writing a book was really hard. It was probably the hardest thing I've done. And Sharon was with me on that journey. There were days I was like, I don't think I can do it. This is so hard. But then I finished it and I was like, oh man, I wrote a book. This is so lovely. And like, I definitely want to do it again. Like, you know, like now the the painful part is the most painful part is over. I mean, I still have to sell the book, but the painful part of writing it is over. And I was like, wow, that was so great. And I'm just, I'm really excited. Like Sharon hasn't gotten to read it yet, but she will get to soon. And I'm really excited with like what I get to put into the world. And it just makes me really happy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Chrissy, when does your book come out? What's the title? Give us all that juicy info. Uh, the book is called The Body Liberation Project. It comes out March 15th of 2023. And the pre-sale will be available though, like within the next month or so, which is super oh my God. exciting. So we're going to have all the events. I'm gonna, I like, listen, wholehearted community, get ready for it. So You're going to get sick of me and Chrissy because <laughs> I'm just so excited. Okay. So Chrissy, I've been ending the series with a, with a couple of questions and I just want you to, I just want you to answer with whatever's on your heart. Okay. So Chrissy, first question. How do you define courage? Mm-hmm. What does courage mean to you? Courage to me, honestly, when I think about courage, I think of just like making these little difficult decisions and especially in the face of like uncertainty, but also when other people don't understand your life decisions, because I'm trying to tell y'all, my family did not understand my life decisions. I didn't tell them when I was leaving my job until after I left it, because I know they would try to convince me not to. I'm not proud of this, but I told my mom that I was separating and moving to New York two days before I was, or like a week before I was on my way. Again, don't recommend that one. But my point is like, I think that sometimes you have to make choices in the face of people who won't get why in your family, your friends, they want you to be safe. And so a lot of times they won't understand. But when I look back at the choices I made, I'm like, I would not have be, I would not be where I am today if I had made all those difficult decisions. And so I think it's just trusting yourself. Courage is a lot about trusting yourself too. I love that. Chrissy, define this how you will, but what is your North star? Oh man. My North star, honestly, is my intuition and my gut. Like I just, I really, every time that I've like felt uncertain about, or wasn't like, I don't know if I should do this. And I've done it anyways. I've been faced with, I'm like, Oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Right. Like I know that feeling. And so it's, and when I feel like, wow, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I, and I trust and follow it. It's always worked out really beautifully. So that's my North star. Yeah. I love that. And finally, what would you say to someone? What advice would you give to someone who is like wanting to make a courageous leap decision and they're just like unsure or afraid? What would you say to them? You know, the thing I think about all the time is that people start over all the time. Like at every age, there's never a point in life where you're like, I can't start over. You can always start over. You can always shift directions and shift courses. There's never too late. I think about people like Ava DuVernay who didn't pick up her first camera until she was like 34, 35 years old. And look where she is now in her career. 
And I just think like, it's never too late. And I think we live in a society that like there's Forbes 30 under 30. And like, you think like, oh, I'm 35 and 40. Like it's too late for me now. And I'm like, oh, forget those lists. Like we are just getting started and it's never too late to change directions. I love that. Chrissy, I love you so much. Thank you for sharing your story with us so openly and vulnerably. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for you and the work that you do. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me on. This is like actually so beautiful. I love you too so much. You know that. And also like, thank you for giving me an opportunity to really like talk about those things. I haven't done that in that way in a really long time. So I'm thankful that I got to share it with you all today. Well, the second book hopefully is a biography or like. Fingers crossed. That's what I hope. We'll see. We're going to, you're going to be back on. You're talking about your like fourth book soon enough. Okay. (laughs) I love you, Chrissy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe or follow where you love listening most. And if you haven't yet, leave a review. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Podchaser or Podcast Addict. Until next week, love.